The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right. Today's episode is going back to a previous guest that we had, Jamil Damji, somebody that is super exciting, super funny to, to follow. He's done amazingly creative things. I hope that you'll go and check out his Instagram, check out his YouTube page. I think you're going to love this episode. So kind of as a throwback, Joy, bringing back uh, this past weekend, my wife said, hey, I've been cleaning out the attic and you need to do something with your stupid yearbooks. Oh, really? Yeah. That's never good. Well, so I get these yearbooks and I, I take them. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm probably going to toss them because I'm not confident in my kids looking through them. <laughs> You're worried what they're going to find. Well, because they, they haven't been censored. Well, yeah. I mean, I literally, the, the kids I was running with just write just the dumbest things. Now, unfortunately, they're all true things, but like they're writing stuff about me. And I'm like flipping through these yearbooks and I'm like not only reading the stuff that they said, but also I'm looking back at pictures and I'd see a picture of somebody. I'm like, I wonder what that guy's doing or I wonder what she's up to. And, and, you know, that's kind of fun. Like, I, I just think, you know, I actually, I hit you up with somebody cause I was, I was looking through and I was like, Oh, I remember this guy. He was a great football player. He, he played baseball with me. I wonder what he's up to. And I see that you guys are friends on Facebook, man. Yeah. We'll go to church together. That's a small world, super small world. And then I see other people and I'm like, huh, I wonder how many, you know, times in prison they've been there. <laughs> I just wonder, like, hey, you you know, if you're listening to this, you know exactly somebody just like that. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that pencil mustache in high school was a sign. <laughs> it was. It was a sign. It was a bad decision then. You know that there was more bad decisions to be made. Bad decisions compound upon bad decisions, right? Oh, goodness. Mm. All right, so Stallion, if you had a most likely to, uh, if somebody would have voted you most likely to do something, what do you think that that would have been? Man, I, I don't know, man. I, maybe I, I dressed up for a bunch of the different things in, in high school. Like okay. I, I would like it, the spirit week. That was just that was my week, man. Like just various different things like rock star week. I mean, I was dressed up as a rock star, you know, I dressed up as, you know, Rocky Balboa. So were you dressed Whatever. up like Brett Michaels or something? What does that mean? I we mean, just, you know, a little leather jacket. <laughs> I had a leather jacket, Italian stallion. I mean. You had to you had to play up the whole deal. What was that? The Fonz? I mean, what were you? Like, what, it it was to... it was it was borderline Fonz. Okay, all right. Well, that's interesting. Maybe mo most likely to be the Fonz. I don't know. Well, I I love if you. What about you? I don't want to tell you what I think what people might have said about <laughs> me. Uh, I, I guarantee you, I've definitely overshot the expectations. <laughs> Of at least all my teachers, whether my friends thought higher up me or not, my teachers definitely thought that I was going to be there with the pencil mustache guy, you know, waxing floors inside some penitentiary, I'm sure, <laughs> because I was hell on wheels. They did not like me. I was my job in, in school was to keep other people from learning. Mm. Isn't that you're, interesting? You're now successful. my job is to teach people things. Uh, my how, how the tides have changed. 
It has, right? There's God's providence in this. Well, um, I, I hope that you'll take advantage of this episode. Listen to Jamil, an amazing mind, as creative um, and entertaining as anybody we've had on the show. So let's jump into this episode with Jamil Damji. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Y'all, he is back. We got Jamil Damji back in the studio today. Dude, so glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me back. Your podcast was a fun one for me. Uh, enjoyed it. It was like, I don't know, what are we talking? A little over a year since the last one. A lot has happened since. Yeah, well, let's talk about what's happened, Jamil, because obviously you literally have gone to the moon. <laughs> It's a catchphrase. Yeah, we, we, we did. We did. And I, I feel blessed for it. I feel really grateful for all of the opportunities and um, the path that has illuminated itself in front of me. And, 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 and in all honesty, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, Jamil, for those who don't know your background, didn't have a chance to listen to your first episode, I, I would love to just highlight some of the, the, those key points in your life that, that led you to where you are. And then I want to talk about how how much fun you're having teaching others this stuff. So just take people back really quickly into your your real estate background and what led you to where you are. Absolutely. So got involved in real estate in 2002. I was an entrepreneur losing money every day uh, in a business, uh, trying to sell people websites in 2002. That's where I was in the infancy of the Internet, um, cold calling people out of the yellow pages. I overheard an opportunity where these real estate investors, one of them, my business partner and his dad, were talking about needing more uh, building lots. They were looking for these infill lots that his his dad was knocking down these homes and building these duplexes. And in you know my my the way my mind works, if I hear of somebody needing something, I immediately want to go and figure out how I can fill the need, right? And so, um, overhearing that conversation, I saw there was an opportunity for me to do business. And uh, the next day, walking my dog, called a for rent sign uh, for the exact style of property, type property they were looking for. That individual said they wanted to, uh, they, they were actually trying to rent. I had tried to rent the house three months earlier, but couldn't afford it by $200. And so uh, I called that same for rent sign, asked if she'd be interested in selling. She said yes. And now I had a problem because I hadn't any training. I didn't know anything about real estate. And I didn't know how to figure out how to buy this house with no money and sell it to somebody who had money. And, uh, and there's where I invented wholesaling. That's a lie. But that's where I thought I invented wholesaling. That's where I thought I invented wholesaling, right? And so um, I do what I did best. And I called cold called uh, real estate attorneys in the yellow pages. I got all the way to S. And um, this individual by the name of David Steed, who was so fresh out of law school, he didn't have a secretary answering his phone, picked up my call. And I asked him straight up, I was like, look, I have this lady, she wants to sell a house for $350,000. I have this guy who wants to buy the house for $400,000 and I don't have a dime. How do I do this? 
And uh, he explained to me this process of uh, assigning control. And, um, you know, you contract and you assign control. And that's essentially what wholesaling is, right? We sell potential. We are yeah. selling potential and we are selling our control of that potential for a fee. And, uh, and, and, and there my career in wholesaling was born. And so um, my first deal, I made $50,000. I never looked back. I wrote a trajectory from 2002 all the way to 2008. And it was an onward, it was an upward trajectory. It was fantastic. However, we all know what happened in 2008. Uh, not only did the real estate market crash, my life crashed with it, lost every dime because I decided to not be a wholesale, wholesaler in 2007. I decided I wanted to be a real estate developer. Um, and uh, rather than continue to do what my competency was, which was find situations where there was potential, I decided to go vertical with the potential. And so I had asked my family, my father, mom, sister, everybody to co-sign on some construction loans with me. And I bankrupted the whole boat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 2008, we are, my mother, father, sister, 150 pound dog, her husband, the niece, cat, me, all living in a two bedroom apartment and uh, couldn't understand how it happened, right? We went from millionaires to nothing. And, um, you know, as you, if you, if you guys are, don't know in my story, I tucktailed to Hollywood after that and decided I wanted to try my hand at uh, stand up and uh, sketch comedy. Uh, didn't end up actually making it in that world because I'm not here on a comedy podcast. I'm here on a real estate podcast. But in that uh, in that time, I uh, I you know kept finding myself looking at opportunity. And and you know Phoenix and and LA are are only a five hour drive apart. I was seeing opportunity in Phoenix where you could buy these condos at the bottom of the market. You know, 2010, I could get a condo for 35 grand. And the thing rented for 750 bucks. And so every dime I made in LA, uh, uh, as well as my sister who was, who was uh, trying to desperately claw our way out of our situation, we, we took all the funds that we were making and we just started buying property in, in Phoenix. And um, there was an opportunity for me to move here full time. And uh, on my birthday, 12, 12, 12, I decided to take the leap out to Phoenix, Arizona and never looked back since then. We, uh, we built the uh, company called Keegley. If you aren't familiar with Keegley, we are a nationally franchised wholesale operation. We started in a coffee shop. And from that coffee shop, we went to my business partner's living room. And when our staff got too big and the cars that were parked outside got too plentiful, the HOA kicked us out of the living room. And we <laughs> our first office. And uh, our first office smelled like feet and fish. Uh, um, I'm not kidding. It, it was either smelt like feet because of us or fish because of the neighbor, because all the ventilation was uh, 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 was together and he loved to have fish bombs for lunch. I don't know what he was having over there, but um, David Lee, if you're watching this, your lunches are gross. And so he, he, he would uh, he would he would bomb our office every afternoon with trout or whatever it was that he was having that day. Uh, and so we graduated out of that office into um, this beautiful building here in Tempe, Arizona where we now um, operate our wholesale operation, where our corporate home corporate office is in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we are also in 180 markets as well. So we franchised in July wow. of 2020. Our first year was, uh, was great. We, we, you know, we, we actually came out of the gate with our franchise model in the middle of a pandemic, um, but the reception was fantastic. And we sold uh, 30 franchises, 
up until December of uh, 2020. And then a private equity company came in early January. Uh, Our goal was to sell 150 franchises for 2021. And the private equity company came and took them all. And so right now we are sold out of franchise opportunities for 2021. Uh, we are uh, working with the private equity company to unro- unroll or uh, roll out those those franchises, uh, um, you know, monthly. And uh, we are now taking deposits for 2022. So that, in a nutshell, is what's been happening. It's a fantastic Dude. ride. Um, that, wow. That's so crazy. So I want to like unpack some of that latest stuff, right? So if you if you didn't if you want to hear more about wholesaling and Jamil's story, go back and listen to his first episode. We'll make sure to put a link in. the in the show notes for you. But what Jamil just said there, Joey, was really mind-blowing to me is that he took a business wholesaling where a lot of times you're you're working in that business solely dependent on your marketing efforts, right? And right. and some people say this is a quick way to cash. As Jamil said, he was able to make money really fast. And it's a, a an amazing business for someone who who wants to work on their own to create cash flow. But Jamil's brain didn't stop there. He's like, how can I help others? And he franchised it. Like that to me is where, as far as I know, that hadn't been done. Has franchising in the wholesaling world existed before this? It, it has in the home buying space, right? So the uh, We Buy Other Houses, Home Vester yeah. franchise is, uh, you know, another national franchise. They do a great job. Um, that would be the only one that I would say would be somewhat competitive to us. But um, But other than that, that's it. And so your brain started saying, hey, we've got more deal flow than we've got the ability to handle. And so now we need to help people do that. What, walk us through some of that, because I, I just think the person who's listening to you right now n- needs to be inspired sometimes, needs to get that creative wheel going. And as you already heard Jamil said, he was doing sketch comedy, stand-up comedy. Like that requires a whole different skill set, but also – a, a, just a, a mind to create. So I'm I'm really interested in the process that you were thinking through of how to create that. You know, it's funny, guys. I um, I had this conversation at a mastermind last month, and and it was all about starting with the end in mind, right? The thing that we do all, a lot is we'll get involved in these in these businesses and these undertakings, entrepreneurial under undertakings, and they're amazing. And we do it for freedom. We always do it for freedom. If you ever ask right. an entrepreneur, why, why, why? They say, freedom, I want to be free. I want to live. I want to enjoy my wife. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to enjoy the house. I want to enjoy the car. I want to enjoy the boat. I want to enjoy it all. I want to I want to see. I want to be present in this beautiful world that God gave us. And uh, and, and when I have a nine-to-five job, I just don't have that opportunity, you know, and I'm, I'm stuck. I'm tethered, and, and it's tough, right? And um, – and I get that. I so understand that. And I, and I resonate with it because I watched my mom and dad live in that. And, and, and it's respectful. I, my mom and dad did a great job. You know, they were amazing. They're amazing parents. They, took, they busted their butts and they took care of us. But gosh, we didn't have a lot, you know, and it was and that was hard. That was hard to watch. It was hard to see them stress. It was hard to see the months where we didn't have money for the bills where, you know, when my mom got laid off, it was heartbreaking for all of us. And we were scared and she went from a data entry job into a meatpacking factory, you know, and this, this is a lady in her, you know, late fifties, early sixties, chopping meat in a butcher, in a butcher, you know, and, and, and you know what those things smell like? It's tough. It was just real. It was, it was a real weird, um, you know, 
understanding for me to see what 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 the world was and that's why entrepreneurship always was something that I I enjoyed I I enjoyed having an opportunity to do stuff and what I mean by starting with the end in mind is that because we're all out for freedom we all want something different but what we do is we say okay I'm going to I'm going to do something different by by selling designer water I'm going to do something different by sell by you know the pandemic came people had mask making companies right there see all these things you see all these all this all this ingenuity all these people that are out there filling needs and and doing amazing things because they see opportunity but what they don't do a lot of times is they they think of the immediate how am i going to fill the need right now but if you're being an entrepreneur because you want freedom then yes filling the need right now is important but what does this look like in 10 years hmm. yeah what does this look like in 10 years because if it looks like you're still making masks in 10 years that's a problem because all you did was was create a job for yourself, right? Mm. And so many entrepreneurs get stuck in that problem, the hamster wheel that we talk about. Right? You talked about that. People people regard wholesaling as a hamster wheel. Everything in entrepreneurship is in a hamster wheel if you don't start with the exit in mind. Yes, it's all a hamster wheel. We're all just walking into it daily. Every the only difference is is that when you're an entrepreneur, you made the hamster wheel and when you're not you're in someone else's hamster wheel but by golly you're still in the wheel right (laughs) you're you're, you're totally right where we don't see the end or can't create the end we're just going to go faster and that wheel starts spinning faster right because the more stuff that we create especially as entrepreneurs we get that wheel to real running fast where we may have been working 40 and 50 hour weeks as entrepreneurs we find ourselves working 70 80 hour weeks and sure we may be making more money but man you better stop you better not ever stop running right you're gonna get run over and you got a lot more people on you burnout family problems kids you know the one thing I noticed the most about entrepreneurs are like, I don't get to see my kids. My wife's like, you're never here. I didn't sign up for that. That's not what I wanted. Went into business for myself was so that I was like working double the hours for the same pay. Right. And then you start trying to justify it, but what we go on nicer vacations. We drive nicer cars. We live in a nicer neighborhood. I mean, okay. (laughs) Exactly. What? Right. Like, you know what? I get in and out of my car and and I I leave it. It's like the only people, the only thing that enjoys my car is the garage at my house and the garage at my office. Yeah. The drive from mm. my office to my house is nine minutes. So I get 18 minutes of enjoyment from this vehicle. Yet I bust my ass to pay for it. Right. Come on, we're not doing the math right. Mm. We're not doing the math right. So So how did you do it, Jamil? How did you... How did you kind of think through how to take something that is historically the hamster wheel model of wholesaling? And I've even heard it said that most people wake up when they realize that, man, they've got $50,000 a month nut to crack before they even start the month because of all the marketing costs and so on and so forth from wholesaling. How how did you then take that and say, nope, I'm not going to continue down that path. I'm going to build this instead. Walk us through that. Absolutely. So... You know, I, I first off recognize that there was a gap in the business model of wholesaling. So first and foremost, find where you add value to a situation, right? Um, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, go find the gap. Find the gap in any business. It exists. There always is a gap. There's always a, a hole 
There's always a hole in a business process. There's always a hole in a business model and go figure out what that is and go plant your flag there. Right. So, so what I was noticing is that with all of the, uh, the, you know, the internet and the gurus and all the, um, the education that's out there, all of it's amazing. People are learning how to do this. They're wildcatting, you know, they're out there bird dogging. They're trying to get these deals under contract. They're busting their butts. They're doing stuff. They're taking action. That's amazing. But what I also saw was that the same contract that these guys are out there spending time, money, energy, and effort to put under day-to-day are canceling in 30 days because these guys have no idea what to do once they lock it up. And the problem was is that the guys who were teaching it were full of crap because they weren't actually doing the business themselves either. Mm. And so what they would tell these guys is contract it and they'll come. If you buy the deal deep enough, they'll show up. Well, first of all, did you teach these people how to comp? Did you teach these people how to understand value? No. I walked into a seminar the other day where it was all real estate agents. Everybody in there was a licensed realtor. And I asked them, how many of you guys, uh, you know, again, uh, how many of you guys are licensed agents? They all put their hand up. All right, great. How many of you guys learn how to comp at licensing school? All hands went down. And yet we call them fiduciaries. (laughs) We give them a legal obligation to have our back in a transaction, and we haven't taught a person how to understand value. So with that said, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional about it. I get excited about it because it's 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 interesting to me that we have these we have these things where we we say realtor, fiduciary, responsibility, liability, obligation, training, eh. No thanks. Right? So what happened was I'm watching all of these wholesalers going through the same thing these licensed agents are going through. Just terrible training by people who don't do the deals, don't do the business. And so in that, I was watching these sellers getting lied to, getting let down, getting canceled on day after day after day after day. And it was sickening. It was literally sickening to me. I said, this is wrong. What is happening in this business is wrong. The reason why wholesaling has this stigma to it, why people think wholesalers are all trash bags, is because we don't keep our promises, because we walk into an opportunity, we say we'll do it, and then nobody does it. And why is that? Mm. Because we're still, none of us have them. Like when you're getting started in wholesaling, what are you, why are you starting it? Because you want money. You don't have money. When I did my first deal, I didn't have 350 grand to buy the house. He did. And I needed <laughs> to get his 400000 through it so I could take my fifty out. And so the story, the story goes, right? I saw that there was a need. We needed to help people with moving these transactions. I had to find the money. I had to bring the money to the table. And so I went to the person I was working with originally um, in Phoenix here, and I asked him if he'd be interested in, in this idea that I had of a national wholesale operation where we helped wholesalers who were struggling to find buyers for their deals sell their deals. And and because I want this to be national and I want to do this correctly, I want everybody to be licensed. Because if we're going to negotiate contracts, if we're going to be talking about price, the most real estate boards or boards of ethics are going to require a licensing. So I want to do this in the correct way. I want to have everybody licensed. I want to teach people to understand value. I want to have people understand what it means to know what something is worth. Yes. And I want to add this to the marketplace. The first person I took it to said, I'm a pass. 
Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones, and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. Why do you, why do you pass? Well, first things first, he didn't like really want to be business partners. I saw, you know, what's funny is that what's, what's really interesting in life is that, you know, doors close or those doors don't open because they're not supposed to. Right. right. And, and I, I, you know, I called him and one day, one day I pocket dialed him when I was sitting right beside him. Right. Sitting right beside, you know, you've done that before you pocket dial somebody you're sitting beside them. Yeah. like, you're calling me. You're like, sorry. Right. But what's interesting is you get to see what your name is in that person's phone. Right. Oh, yeah. My name in his phone was Jamil Bird Dog. Uh, okay. Cool. No problem. But I understood where I stood mm. in my relationship with this person. I was a bird dog to him. I was just somebody that brought him opportunity. That's it. Right. On the other other side of that, like I I truly thought like we were in, we were partnering like we were we were in business together. But but the fact was that that wasn't the case, right? And so I um I I understood that, and I and I was I was okay with that. And so I walked out of the situation. And uh, funny enough, I had met these two young uh, these two young cats at a sandwich packing party. I, we probably talked about this on the first on the first episode, Josiah and Hunter. And, um, you know, a friend of mine had said, hey, we have these entitled kids. Let's teach them what it looks like to go um, to be homeless, you know, or, or what, what that's like. And let's, you know, let's why don't we get together one night and make a hundred or make a thousand peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and then go out to the park the next day and hand them out to people. Bring your kids and they can see what that's like. And I'm like, great, let's do it. At this party, I meet Josiah and Hunter. And these two these two young guys, they say, hey, look. No, we also can, can we build these buyers lists and we're really smart and we're really good at systems, but we have no deals and we, we need opportunity. Would you work with us? And, and, you know, I thought at the time, no, cause I have this partnership, but when I saw what was going on, I, I gave him a call. And so we start working together loosely for about a year, doing deals, making money. And then uh, ultimately I say, look, I have this idea for this national franchise, for this national company, not a franchise yet, but this national company. I want to do deals across the country. I want to do, de- I want to do a deal in every major city in the United States. That's my, that's my goal. That's, I, I want to do that. I see that as an ambition. I want something big. I want to make something big. And so I want to build this correctly. I want to, I want to have a name that we can trademark. First and foremost, we need a name that we can trademark, Right. Um, I want it to be memorable. I want the experience to be memorable. And I want this to be built on like real values, you know, our values. And, and away we went. Keegley is born. And like I said, we started in the coffee shop. And from a coffee shop, we went to his living room. And from his living room, we went to F- Foot Fish office. And now we're here. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, we're, we're literally across the country doing doing deals and servicing wholesalers that are out there locking these deals up, but don't have a buyer, don't have the the funds that they need in order to complete the, the transaction. And so what we're doing is we're legitimizing the transaction type because we're bringing the funds to the table. We're bringing those buyers to those opportunities. And and what that allows us to do is is not have sellers angry, is is not have promises broken, and in servicing the individual who needed us, we make a tremendous amount of revenue, we solve a tremendous number of problems, and we all sleep at night and feel really good about ourselves. 
Well, so, so Jamil, you're, we asked the question of how did you build this with the end in mind? And you're definitely telling us more about like how you built a business that, that solved a bunch of the problems that you saw, but how has this model fit in your, your personal plan for what you wanted your life to look like? I, I think that's what I would love to hear is from this standpoint is you could have kept on that hamster wheel and you could have made a lot of money doing it and all that, but you built this for another reason and it has to do with you personally. How, how does it, how does it fit today? Love that. Great question. And thank you for getting that out of me. So the thing that we do as entrepreneurs all the time is we hoard skills. We hoard our skills, right? And, and oftentimes what ends up happening is we make partnerships with people that we like rather than people that we should be in partnerships with, right? Mm, so yeah. you go and you become a business partner with your buddy, but you guys are drinking buddies, not, not good business partners. So my two business partners, we couldn't be farther from different, right? We're, we're very different people and we bring different things to the table. I'm not a technical guy. I'm a relationship person, but I, these guys are technical people that have systems. And so first and foremost, they were like, Jamil, what's beautiful about you is you have the skill, you have the skill of developing relationships. You have the skill of understanding how to talk to people and understanding how to, under, how to understand value. And you have all these things. We need to take those skills out of your head and we need to share them with our staff. And the first inclination I had was, no, no, then I'm not needed anymore. Then I have no value. But that's, that's, that's the wrong way to think. That's fear, right? That's fear-based thinking because I, that, that's ego. That's just me wanting to be important. That's me wanting to make sure that I'm always looked at as the guy that people need to come to. But that doesn't build a business, right? So the first thing I had to do was, was let go of hoarding my skills. And, and in so doing, we created systems where we took the skills that I, I, I have. And, 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 and here's the thing. We love this idea that it's only, only we can do it. It's only us. It's only me. It's only Joey. It's only Russ who could ever do this. But, but we're all human beings with this amazing potential and these beautiful brains and this capacity to understand and this ability to connect with one another. And every one of us can do it. Right. So we need to be able to extract that from ourselves. So first and foremost, we have to systematize your skills. You have to give an honest account of what you do every day, of what it looks like to be Joey, Russ, Jamil, and, and then itemize it. Right. Once you itemize it, you decide what are the what, what is the order of operations? How do you make this like you do any math equation? What is the order of operations? Right. Remember bed mass? When you're when you're learning how to do math, you have to know mm -hmm. brackets, exponents, right? Division, multiplication, addition, subtraction. You do it in the wrong steps, the answer's wrong. Right. So you learn the order of operations. You extract the skills, you systematize those, and then you learn the order of operations, and then you train it. And then when you're able to do that, what ends up happening is all the things that you were so good at, you see 10 people doing just as well. And that allows you in Russ's case, they do it better. I mean, I, I don't know if that's been everybody's experience, but certainly Russ's. Definitely happened to me. Definitely happened to me. I, I, I literally um, watched an individual come into this company. He sat across the table from me when we hired him, and he said, I asked him, what's your goal? He said, I want your job. <laughs> hired that guy. Nice. Hired that guy, right? He now owns multiple franchises. 
right? He owns multiple Keegley franchises. He's crushing life right now. He's he's amazing. Thomas Martinez, check him out. Great dude. You should have him on the show. Um, he is, uh, uh, you know, and I watched that. I watched this, I, and and he's taking these skills that he's learning that that we're giving him because I've been able to systematize and, and communicate what it is that I'm these skills I have and and truly be honest with yourself about what do you what it is that you're truly gifted at, right? And then talk about it and say and, and simplify it. We always want to overcomplicate ourselves. We always want to overcomplicate what we do because we really want to be important, right? But what's more important, your why and what you did this for, or or you being important? That, that's the best question yet. Is that most people I don't think have even created what their why is, and they get into something maybe because they're good at the technical aspect of it, or they have more grit or determination than the next person. But if they don't know why they're doing it and what their whole reason to get out of it will ultimately be. They're just going to fulfill another hamster wheel activity. And I, I, I love the fact that you ha- have made this, all, this, this podcast about learning and not only the things that you've learned, but then being able to turn around and teach what you've learned, which is usually really hard. I mean, before we press record, we were talking about education and how maybe the education system or maybe not maybe, but it probably has failed most people in it because the people who are teaching one have not done just like you were saying earlier most of the wholesalers out there are gurus out there we see that in our world too right there's people who who set up infinite banking systems for people who don't own them who've never bought any assets with any of them and but yet would teach people that concept but most of the people teaching in the education world today has have never done they're teachers and we learning is is so like monotonous and so boring that puts us all to sleep but you found a way through your youtube channel instagram every every other area that you're on to make life interesting and to make this concept of being financially free fun it, talk about that cuz i think that that's a part that is so overlooked and i think that's why you're having such astronomical success to take a pun from your, your company. Astro flipping. That's cool. I, I love, I saw what you did there. That was good. That was good. <laughs> and for those, you know, comic comedic purists that don't enjoy puns, those guys suck because puns are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's some puns fun. Are fun. Yeah. And so, and so here I am um, looking at the space, right? I'm looking at this coaching space and, and, you know, I have I have no hate for it. I don't. I have nothing against the guys that are teachers and and are aren't doers. I, I have nothing nothing against it. It's what's available. Okay, it's what's available. The same time, I I um you know I have an East Indian background. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, and so I did that whole. I went through. I got a bachelor's of science in physiology. I took the uh, MCAT, the medical school entrance exam. I did fairly well on it. Um, and then I had a, like a break in my psyche and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm being a doctor for dad. Cause what ended up happening was my goal was to be a plastic surgeon. And why was, when I was asked, why do you want to be a plastic surgeon? Because I want to be rich. (laughs) I had no, I didn't want to help. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to help sick people. I wanted to, I wanted to like, what's the fastest way to the money? Right. Oh, it's making these these Scottsdale moms have bigger boobs. Great. Give me that. Right. That's what I want. The money yeah. or the boobs? 
Both. <laughs> then I find out. Then I find out. Well, here's the thing, right? Plastic surgeons probably hate boobs. Let's be honest, right? Because they, yeah. they see the insides of them and then they see them healing. Crusty, yeah. pussy, gross, right? Yeah. So, so I'm not, I don't know that that would have been my thing either. Right. So yeah. show me the after pro, show me the after product like nine months later. But anyways, um, so, so I, I hope your viewers would be like, this guy is crazy. So, so anyhow, I'm here I am right in this, uh, you know, doing this and, and yeah, I spent a tremendous amount of money in school trying to, you know, do that. And I just have this, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I hear it's going to be like literally getting struck by lightning two times to become a plastic surgeon because it's like that impossible to get that residency. Like you, not only do you have to be the smartest, but you have to know the smartest. You have, your dad had to be the guy, you know what I mean? Like you're not right. just getting a plastic surgeon residency. You're getting it because of nepotism. You're getting it because of connections. You're also got to be a genius. Like it's not happening for you, bro. You're going to be a proctologist or a GP, right? <laughs> That's what's happening. Right. And, 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 and let's just say that the GPs in the ER, because my cousin who was also with me, they're literally de facto proctologists because they spend the majority of their time pulling stuff out of people's butts. That's what happens at the, in the, in the, in the ER, right? What happens yeah. at the ER? It's nine out of 10, something's in your butt. One out of 10, I had a heart attack. That's <laughs> what it is. So, so, um, Going back to that, going back to that education, right? And I'm sitting there looking at thinking about what it was for me to sit in, in college, right? And I'll tell you what it was. I'll be honest with you. It was a lot of Adderall. <laughs> Why? Why did I have to drug myself? Why did I have to take prescription methamphetamine to sit through biochemistry and, and organic chemistry? Because it's boring. Because I don't give a shit about it. That's why. <laughs> right? Right? Cause yeah. I don't care. So yeah, give me the, give me the, you know, prescription meth and I'll sit through this for another nine hours. Cause this guy sucks and this stuff sucks and none of this makes sense. And I don't care. So same thing's happening in the space of education. What you guys are teaching people, it's amazing and it's great, but it needs to be taught in a way that's engaging, that hits, that relates, that makes people want to sit through it without Adderall. Right. And so I'm watching the space. I'm watching the space and I'm I'm scrolling through, you know, ads and I'm looking at things and I have this, you know, conversation with Brent Daniels. You guys are familiar with him? Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. And he says to me cuz I was really wanting to be quiet about the success of Keegley and quiet about the success of the company. I wasn't really out there trying to, you know, pump my chest about it in the beginning. And he said, "Jamil, here's the problem. You're remaining quiet about this, but yet you've got these guys out there that are taking 40, 50, $60,000 from people. Forget the price. Price point's fine if the value is being delivered, right? Because an education in college is 200 grand, but the ROI on that is nothing, right? But if you're going to take 40, 50, $60,000 from somebody, they better get a good ROI on that, right? Problem is, is that when you're taking that kind of money from somebody and there's no ROI, that's not good. And he yes. said, this is the state of the union right now. This is what's happening in this space. And the reason is because no one's done. Here you are, you've done. And now you literally, you're scaling out of your company. They don't need you anymore, right? They don't, they, they don't need you anymore. Like you're, the, the deals are happening. 
your team, they, they took out what was in your mind and now they're all operating, they're going and you guys are crushing, you know, thousand deals a year, but you don't even need to show up to the office. Like, that's amazing. So why aren't you talking about it? And that was a big thing for me. Why wasn't I talking about it? You know, I was scared. I was scared people are going to say weird things to me. They're going to be like, you're fat. You suck. I hate your face, whatever. All the things that you think, right? All the things that you think that people are going to say, um, I was worried about. I truly was. I just insecure. And, you know, that's what 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 happened. And, and um, you know, uh, because I have this creative mind where I love making jokes and I'm scrolling through Facebook and scrolling through Instagram and I just see we were talking earlier you know, the, the space was, it's a talking head, you know, a guy who says, ah, I'm going to do this, you're 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 going to do this, or it's the douchebag, right? It's like, look at my Ferrari, look at my girls, look at my house, look at my Ferrari, look at my girls, look at my house, you know, and that's it. You've got two options. You've got talking head, you've got douchebag, and that's it. But neither of them have done anything. Yep. Neither of them have actually achieved, Right. That's it. Mm. And so when I saw that, I got, I got really infuriated, to be honest, and um, couldn't look at another picture of, you know, a, that what I'm not going to, couldn't see another ad of, of a check in front of a bank. Okay. Mm. I couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Sorry. No, thank you. And, uh, and that's when I decided I needed, I was going to do something different. So, you know, if you guys, uh, if the audience here, uh, if they, if you, if you like this video, you'll see my next ones because my retargeting will get you. And um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I have fun with it. So my 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 course is fun. I I'm in. I'm actually the guy that shows up to the support coaching calls. I do ten hours of it every week, every week. Right? It's me. I don't hire. I don't hire a schmuck. I do it. Because I'm the guy on the front lines. I'm the guy who understood it. I'm, I'm the guy who understands it. So I show up and my students have had tremendous success. It's crazy, crazy. And I, and, I, and I feed off of it. When I was on my coaching call last night and like nine people were talking about the success that they had had through the week, right? And this guy got this check and this guy did this money and this guy did this deal and this guy did this girl and this girl did this deal. And I'm thinking, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to impact these people's lives in a positive, meaningful way. And at the same time, we're laughing, we're crying, we're praying, we're doing all these things together. And, and we do it in your glory. In all honesty, it's the truth, man. I, 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 I truly do it to serve. I, I, I really do do it to serve. I, I, I have a servant's heart. I believe in, I believe in the Lord. I believe in our, in, our, in, our, in our reason for here. And all of us are divine. Every one of us has it in us to to really hit the highest highest strides in our life to to be on the top of the mountain and we all have that and and what we've been what we've been taught is that we don't and only special people have that it's not well, true Jamil, well jamil you have definitely a servant's heart you're definitely special and i'm letting you know as a listening to this podcast if you don't go to youtube.com forward slash jamil damji and start watching some of the most funny videos as he and Pace Morby do stuff like the wholesale genie and taking a shower. <laughs> Just the interesting things that you guys are doing. But then the whole point, right, is to make learning fun. And yeah. kids, we see that in our kids. We see how they, they have fun early on, and it's why they're all interested 
to learn more. But as the older they get, when learning quits being fun, becomes monotonous, they actually stop learning. <laughs> and yeah. I think the whole goal here is we are seeking freedom. We are seeking f- freedom for the purpose of fun. Why not have fun doing it? Jamil, thank you again for coming on the show. Of course. I, so uh, blessed to have known you, and I can't agree with what you said anymore. That this, we're here to serve others. We're here because someone served us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that you brought that up. That's uh, very close to our heart. And we thank you, and we thank everyone for listening to this podcast. Go check out the show notes. Go check out Jamil. Take advantage of the resources he has, and you won't be disappointed as this podcast crushed again. Thanks again, Jamil. And you said this is going to air in August, maybe somewhere around, somewhere around then? Yeah. So uh, August, uh, Pace and I have a TV show coming out on A&E. Uh, check us out, uh, Flipping Arizona. It uh, will be airing in August, season one. We'd love your viewership and uh, your support. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Thanks again, Jamil. And thank, thank you, you as always, for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.